Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer Austin. Hey, everyone. And I'm also joined by producer Phil. Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Phil, of course, producing Sif Pop Weekly uh, and also publishing the Sif Pop Writers Room podcast. Uh, Austin and I write for SifPop.com, writing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website SifPop.com to keep up with those. And on today's show, we'll be talking about a coming attraction. We'll be talking about Malcolm and Marie, which will be hitting Netflix here soon. And uh, and then when we're done talking about that, we're going to move on to uh, our Sif topic, which is nostalgia movies. And I decided to pick uh, the Mighty Ducks trilogy because... Gosh, uh, there's something special uh, to talk about here, um, whether that's a good or a bad thing. But uh, <laughs> we'll kind of talk about those for a little bit. We'll move on to the B-plot, uh, kind of answering a question that I tailored for our guests this week. Uh, but first, let's get a chance to know our writers this week. Uh, Phil, I'm going to start with you. When did you realize that you had a passion for movies? You know, I really got into movies quite a bit when I was in high school. Um, I, I wasn't... I did the kid thing before high school, obviously, and watched, you know, a lot of animated movies and things that my parents would let me watch. But I grew up in a conservative home, pretty, very conservative, lots of rules. And I wasn't allowed to watch like R-rated movies until I was 17 type of thing. And so like when when I was 17, it was like the floodgates opened and they were like, you can uh, watch whatever you want now. And so I did, like, I just immediately rented like all the Terminator movies and all the alien movies and stuff like that and really got into it. And then in college that just, that just, you know, persisted. I mean, I was just watching whatever I could get my hands on. So yeah, I really kind of fell in love with movies once I was kind of out of the house type of thing. Like I'm sure some of your other uh, writer friends on the show will talk about how they were like raised to love movies for like from their parents and stuff like that. I'm the total opposite of that. My parents uh, are not like cinephiles at all. And so I um, had to kind of come to it on my own that way. So, yeah. And, and when speaking of parents, you recently became one, right? This is your first kid? Second, actually. Yeah. So I have a, a yeah, I have a four and a half year old uh, as well. And uh, we literally just, I'm talking nine days ago, had a baby. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm here. Um, I've I hopefully rested enough to do the, the podcast. <laughs> nice. Well, we wanted to say Coffee. congratulations just right off the top. <laughs> Thanks. So, and, uh, and Austin, remind us how you got involved in, uh, uh, how you really fell in love with movies. Yeah, uh, sure. Um, as I uh, stated in the uh, Tenet podcast, my dad was a huge lover of movies. Uh, he would take us me and my sister to Blockbuster every Friday, you know, rent movies like Click, iRobot, sometimes even more adult movies like Juno. And so I kind of grew up just a new movie every weekend, if not like two or three a weekend. So that's kind of just how I started. And then when I moved out of the house, it just exploded, especially in 2016. You know, I watched Rogue One (laughs) three times in the theater, uh, even though I don't normally like those weird 
Star Wars movies. But yeah, I my dad is kind of who started me on movies and said, hey, look at this. Look at the wrestler. See how Mickey Rourke's acting in this. See what Marissa Tomei is doing in this. How's the camera being held? Is it handheld? He just taught me all these techniques, even though, you know, he was a DJ and, you know, just really spent most of his time doing that. Nice. That's awesome. Also, we're just going to stick on you for a minute. So then what's your favorite movie of all time and why? That changes every week, I feel like. <laughs> um, but the movie I've seen the most times has to be Toy Story. It came out uh, actually when I was supposed to be born. I was supposed to be born in November of 95. And I've got to I think I've seen Toy Story 1. I got to say thousands of times. <laughs> like to the point where we were worried the VHS was going to start giving and then finally the DVD came out around that time so I was like, "Oh, thank goodness. We don't have to worry about the VHS uh player blowing up anymore." Toy Story was this wonderful meshing of worlds for me. Is sense of play that was in there that lent itself to rewatching it time and time again. Probably I can recite that now. I can recite the whole movie now. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I remember uh, I was born in 95 as well and Toy Story came out and I actually did break the VHS because apparently me being like three or four years old or whatever uh, watched Toy Story just on repeat and we had, I mean, if you remember VHS rewinders that were yeah. separate from the machine, yes. <laughs> apparently me as like a four-year-old was able to pull out the VHS, put it in the rewinder, rewind the whole thing and put it right back in and just start it all over again. And <laughs> apparently I would just do that on a loop and so my parents did have to buy me a second VHS copy. And then, uh, yeah. and then shortly afterwards, I got on top of the kitchen cabinets and was going to jump off because I thought it was Buzz Lightyear. And so my mom took away Toy Story for a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, what about you? What's your favorite movie? But And like, what specifically, like, what makes that movie beyond excellent? This is probably one that a lot of people say. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to be repetitive, but um, I, I'm much older than you guys. And um, the, the movies that were the big thing in the eighties and in the early nineties and stuff like that, when I was growing up uh, was star Wars. And I know it's just as much, you know, a big thing now too, but um, the original trilogy was um, very formative for me uh, when I was growing up and was the movies uh, you want to talk about wearing out VHS tapes. I mean, that we, we, I think we recorded it off of like, it was probably on uh, TNT or something like that. Um, but uh, The Empire Strikes Back, the second one in the trilogy is for me a transcendent film. It's, it, is, it's, it's, it is one of the only movies that I remember watching as a kid that literally transported me to another place. And I, for two hours, I felt like I was living in some galaxy far, far away. And it was... Um, something that I didn't even know movies could do or make me feel or make me root for a character than that movie. Um, and um, from like the, the hot scene, you know, with the walkers at the beginning to Boba Fett to, um, you know, uh, I am your father. And all, I mean, it's just, it, that movie has, has really struck a chord with me and I've probably seen it um, at least two or three dozen times. Yeah, I, of course, picked them up all on 4K about a year ago. And, man, that movie just lo still looks stunning. And, yeah. gosh, what Disney did with that remaster, with the at least the quality. I mean, they still are the special editions, so. <laughs> McClunky. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, Phil, we'll stick on you for a hot second. Um, the, the question normally is how did you get involved in writing for Sif Pop? But kind of how did, how did you get involved in being producer Phil and, and kind of 
being, I mean, you're, you're there every Sunday kind of in the, uh, in the background doing the, doing the mixing. And I, I mean, this is kind of where my, my knowledge of producing ends. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a longer story here that I won't go into just cause it, it would, I think be a little too long for this, this format, but um, I, I met Aaron, um, Aaron Dicer, um, believe it or not through when he came as a guest on our podcast. So I started a podcast. I, w- I was not the, the host of the podcast, but I produced a, a podcast called the horrible movie podcast, uh, which oh, was yeah. uh, exactly how it sounds. We just reviewed horrible movies and um, we had Aaron on as a guest um, just because we wanted to find some local talent that was doing that kind of thing. Uh, immediately, you know, got to know him and you know, hit it off really quickly with him. Uh, Jack, the the guy that was actually hosting the podcast, was invited to be a guest on Sif Pop. Uh, this was probably three or four years ago now. Uh, and um, from there, we just kind of, I was uh, kind of, Jack and I both were kind of in the the very early days of, of the Studio DNA network. Like we uh, were in, in all those meetings to kind of brainstorm with Aaron and Danae both about how can we start this network. And so, um, so I was involved in all that and helped uh, Aaron kind of get it off the ground. And then um, kind of around that same time, Aaron was like, Hey, you know, I know you listen to Sif Pop every week. How about you, you listen to it live and then, you know, just kind of help us with the edits and stuff if you're, if you're interested. So I, I don't remember exactly when that was, but it feels like maybe about three years ago. And um, so I, I've done about 150 or so episodes. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it's it's, it's been at least since I've been listening. Awesome. And uh, and Austin, uh, remind us how you got involved in writing for Sip Pop. Well, it was through uh, Blake. I, I think we were just talking one day, and then he was like, hey, why don't you just go write for us? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not doing anything. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, and I did want to give just just quick plugs at the bidding because both of you are doing some really cool things outside of uh, of Sif Pop stuff, and so I want to give you guys a chance to to kind of plug that. And uh, let's see, uh, Austin, why don't you start? Because we kind of heard a little bit about yours last time, but there's been some cool developments in Austin B Media. So why don't you oh, give just a, yeah. like a small, you know, just a taste of what we can give later? Yeah. So this week's actually going to be uh, towards the end of the week. Actually, is going to be really big because it's my first Sundance. And I'm covering all of it. Um, I'm going to have reviews of Judas and the Black Messiah, The World to Come, Land, all of it. And I'm going to try and get some interviews in there. Maybe do I'm probably going to do some daily podcasts. Be like, hey, here are the highlights and lowlights of Sundance. Day one, day two, day three, so on and so forth. And yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of cool stuff coming up there. I've got the podcast coming out tomorrow uh, evening. For patrons, um, I've got a Patreon now, um, nice. which is awesome. Um, yeah, I've just got a lot of whole. I've, I've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Sweet, and then uh, and then Phil, you you have a kind of side project as well, or maybe not side project, but <laughs> big project. Yeah, um, we're so I, I do a podcast with my friend Grant um, called the Disney Plus Reviews Podcast, and. Um, we're on the Studio DNA network, same as same as you, Aaron. So, whoop, whoop. Um, yeah. So you probably heard some of our ads <laughs> before playing oh, it, yeah. before even your episodes. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we get together uh, once a week um, and just chat about whatever is new on Disney Plus. Or so sometimes we'll do nostalgia episodes, kind of like what what we're doing here today. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, we reviewed every episode of The Mandalorian. We're gonna review every episode of the of WandaVision. Um, 
uh, here. I, we took the week off last week, which was like really weird timing because I was so excited about WandaVision and then I had a baby. So Sweet. Uh, and then I have one uh, random question uh, just to kind of give a little bit outside of media perspective. But uh, what do you guys think in 40 years people will be nostalgic about? Nostalgic about? 40 years. That seems like forever from now. <laughs> Let, let's see. We're in the 90s phase right now in media. I feel like I mean, in, we're still stuck in 80s too. I feel like in 40 years, people are going to say, hey, remember movie theaters? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh. Uh, 40, That's 40 a good years, answer. 40 years is a long time. And uh, like, I, you know, movie theaters used to be, again, I'm, I'm an old uh, person. So like, uh, you know, when I was growing up, there was, I mean, we had a 17 inch four by three television in our house. Like, I mean, nobody was watching movies like they are now and with streaming and then of course COVID and everything like that, it's, it's, it's becoming less and less necessary for people to, you know, feel people feel like they can have the movie watching experience at home with their huge 80 inch television and surround sound. I mean, like, why would you want to go out type of thing? Um, you know, there was, there was no wide, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, get off my lawn right now, but like, you know, there was no like widescreen TV or HD or anything like that back then. And, you know, where are we going to be in, in 40 years? You're talking about year, you know, 2061. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would, I would almost wonder if there even are theaters at that point, but who knows? It'd be interesting to see if, if, if at the very least, I don't think movie theaters will look anything like what they do in 2061 just the possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to be like, what is paper? What was that? <laughs> you just took a pen and wrote things on it. Why don't you just use your <laughs> keyboard? Man, this is the hard part. Cause I have to come up with an answer too. And I even know. <laughs> the answer I, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe this is a good one because I, I see a need for it now, but how about paper books? Because it's, yeah, I, I can't yeah. stand doing an e-reader. I, I have to have a physical thing that I can mark up, that I can highlight, um, that I can kind of play around with. And uh, man, it's already, there's lots of movies that just go straight to e-print instead of actual print. And I, I, I wonder if that's going to just keep on moving you know, closer and closer to paper books don't exist anymore. So um, yeah, I actually uh, just bought a paper book. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I, 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 it's going to be interesting there. Because yeah. I, I, I can't do ebooks either. In fact, I keep trying to read Game of Thrones and I keep trying to do the audio books of Game of Thrones. Can't do either. Mm, yeah. I, I might throw one one more out there. I, I, yeah. almost, I almost wonder if people will be nostalgic for like the days when people used to own media, like um, own copies of movies, own copies of CDs or video games. Like I think those, those things are pretty much going to be a, a thing of the past, maybe even in the next 20 years, but um, yeah. 40 years for sure. I, I, I I can't imagine anything being other than Spotify, Netflix, or whatever. Um, you know, by the by the year twenty sixty one, I, th- I think that's that's the way that our culture has been trending all this time since the invention of the internet, really. And right. I don't see it slowing down. Um, well, but that's that's kind of the trick of it all, though, because if it does go all the way, like you have to then pay for Peacock and Netflix and Amazon and Apple TV, and man, that's just I loathe the day when my blu-ray collection is a thing <laughs> of the past and like mm-hmm. i think more realistically what we're going to see is an evolution of physical media perhaps they they get a little bit more compact and so you have something more like you know nintendo switch cartridges so they take up less space or um, <laughs> cartridges I, or i wonder yes. about like i wonder about like virtual reality stuff like i have an oculus quest like when is it going to be that 
like I can watch more than just Netflix there uh, or um, or what like when is it going to be where they have like a little insert that I can put into into a VR system or when are discs going to come on a micro SD card that I can literally just physically put in something I have like that. three letters for you UMD <laughs> the uh, PSP UMD yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> Yeah, or like, when are they gonna like just? When is everybody gonna switch over to projectors, like really high end projectors? And there's like a micro SD slot in it that you, and and when are movies gonna start being released in 4K on micro SD? Like it's only a matter of time until they figure out the technology. So I I think I see that more as an evolution as opposed to like getting rid of stuff. Hmm. That's just me, and maybe that's just me being hopeful and me me being like I want to buy Blu-rays until they stop making them. I will tell you this, on the 4K question for 4K projectors, I live in Arkansas, they're just now starting to come around to the idea of 1080p TVs, so (laughs) it's gonna be a while. Um, It'll be interesting, and in 40 years, somebody will listen to this podcast and be like, they were so wrong. (laughs) They're gonna say, remember podcasts? But yeah, they're gonna be nostalgia about podcasts. (laughs) Oh no... (laughs) <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Hey guys, remember when they were talking about Malcolm and Marie like it was a new release?" <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of which, let's talk about Malcolm release like it's a new release. This is a movie. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Austin, but this is uh, coming out in select theaters as well as Netflix on February fifth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So select theaters and um, definitely Netflix streaming available February fifth. Man, the big attention about this movie is that this is the first film to be completely shot, edited, produced, everything, uh, written, shot, shot, edited, produced, and released um, since the COVID pandemic has started. So um, it's kind of a big deal. Another uh, you know, other big deals are this is, I mean, we're getting closer to Oscar season because films have until the end of February to, to, to be eligible for this year's Oscars. And, uh, and we got some Oscar contention with... Sounds like everything for this movie. All like eight roles that they gave people between acting and crew and all that. Uh, if you look at the IMDb, it's just incredibly slim. But hmm. synopsis for this movie is a director and his girlfriend's relationship is tested after they return home from his movie premiere and await critics' responses. Uh, I'm curious. Let's see. Uh, Phil, we're going to start off with you since I know So I, I know Austin's actually seen this movie. Um, so, so, Phil, what is your anticipation level for this movie let's say there's no covid in the world let's say there's uh let's say um this is going to be a theatrical release how soon are you trying to get there you're going to go opening weekend wait for a matinee uh or a couple weeks down the line wait till you can rent it at home wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for or you're just not interested in seeing this movie i i feel like i'm going to make you you guys mad with this response but uh this, this probably isn't one that i will watch uh okay. or if i do it will it will definitely be uh you know, way down the line. Um, it's, uh, it's not like watching the trailer and stuff like that. It definitely looks well shot like this black and white 35 mm-hmm. millimeter kind of uh, feel. And um, I think Z- Zendaya or Zendaya, however you pronounce it is uh, phenomenal. And obviously John David Washington, but um, like the pacing of it, I'm not sure if it's going to be the one, the thing that really grabs me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more, more of a, I don't want to say blockbuster because obviously these are like A-list actors, but like mm-hmm. I, I'm more of that kind of a movie goer and I'm not so much into these kinds of movies. That said, I'm sure it's probably going to be amazing for people that are really into it. Um, but yeah, this is not one that I'm like super j- jonesing to see, but sure. uh, <laughs> Austin, tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I, I do want to make a clarification. 
So since the screener app uh, bugged out on me, I was not able to see this. Oh, okay. But I have enjoyed film Twitter melting down over this film. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is uh, opening day for me, whatever that means on Netflix. (laughs) On February 5th at at 8 a.m., I am opening Netflix and saying, okay, it's time to open my notebook. It's time to click the pen. Let's watch Malcolm and Marie. John David Washington, he's been good in Tenet. He's been good in Black Klansmen. He's been good everywhere I've seen him. I don't know as much about Zendaya. I might actually go back and watch Sam Levinson's Euphoria on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that's where he comes from, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, so I kind of want to get a feel for that first before I go to Malcolm and Marie. Because I think that'll give me a much more pleasant idea for how I should expect Malcolm and Marie to go. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm you, you just say John David Washington and I'm there. <laughs> sure. Yeah, man. Euphoria has got some great stuff in it. We're recording this like right after the new part two specialist come out and I watched it this afternoon and gosh, that guy's a, fa- a talented filmmaker. So, uh, and he's got some talented people surrounding him. This is, this is the first for me. This is uh, a movie that we are talking about that is coming out that I have not seen the trailer for. Uh, and that <laughs> is intentional. And um, the reason for that is I really think... Um, so I'm not a zero frames movement guy. I'm a watch it once when it comes out. And you know if it's in the theaters, okay. But I'm not going to go out of my way to see it again. So like we're watching... The, we're recording this day that the Godzilla vs. Kong trailer came out. I watched it. And I don't need to watch it again, except for if it happens to be like in a theater, you know, until the release. So that's kind of the way I do things. Thirty times, but I just something about it just said stay away for this one for me. And I think a lot of it is because this is going to be performance driven. Um, This is going to be a lot of really special dialogue and really special moments that I I don't really want ruined for me. I mean, I could think of some moments in something like the Trial of Chicago Seven that I think might have hit me a little bit better if I didn't see the trailer for that movie. And that was my favorite movie last year. So, you know, that's saying something. I I think this is going to be that kind of movie. I want it to be completely fresh and completely original because I kind of think that's the intention here. Um, So I know very little about this movie. Um, I kind of understand the aesthetic and I understand overall arching story. And I understand there's only two actors in this movie and they're both excellent. I'm still going to be seeing this opening day. Um, It's... It's, it's that anticipation level, and it's because um, I was talking about this with somebody recently, but like I don't have a background in like film criticism or anything like that. I don't have a background in like technical aspects. My background is is stories and characters, and so movies like this are right up my alley. I mean, I, I don't really like the super long, drawn out character pieces like you were talking about, Phil. Like, you know, like I've been pretty vocal about like Roma is just not my kind of thing. Um, I turned off Roma after like 20, 30 minutes, something like that. But but something like this that could be captivated, that could be like emotionally driven, you know, something like Locke or um, uh, um, Buried or something like that. Like to me, that is storytelling at its finest. So um, that alone has got me hooked. Yeah, I, I will say from the trailer, which I know you haven't seen it, the mm-hmm. the, the performances look absolutely stellar. Uh, and I, so I think from a, like a performance standpoint, I think it's going to be like maybe masterclass. Um, you know. Uh, it's, this is textbook how you act, you know, in this kind of a movie. But just the fact that the whole movie takes place inside of a house, like it's 
they shot it over two weeks in like in in, in a home like in california yep. so like it's a uh, it's not to me it, it seems like if, if the performances aren't that great which i'm sure they will be or the writing is somewhat off whatever i'm just going to be bored through part of it so mm-hmm. um i don't know i i'm going to wait for reviews um and if i sure. hear enough buzz then i might check it out but um i'm not like super pumped to see it well so here's the other part to this is i recently watched all of euphoria and so i have experience with the with, with uh sam De- uh sam levinson the writer director so um i have that knowing what this guy is capable of and if, especially with the two the two specials that he's done recently, they're very contained, very bottle episodes, um, very character driven, very well and cleverly written. And so um, I think that kind of those are maybe even experimental towards what we get with Malcolm and Marie. Um, so having seen all of Euphoria, having had the experience, I mean, this would be like, you know, when you... It, when you saw Memento and then you heard that that guy was doing the, the Batman Begins, you're like, okay, like I'm here. I get that. So I want to say he did Assassination Nation too, but I don't know me... because I haven't seen that. <laughs> you could skip it. <laughs> That's fair. It's hard not having anything to say about this movie because I want it to be kind of that way, but everything surrounding it to me, I think is perfect. Blake and I were talking about this movie. We were talking about all the movies coming up and, it kind of shocked us. We thought this would be on HBO Max just because he does Euphoria. So, like, it kind of shocked, like, why Netflix now? I think Netflix bought it, if I'm not mistaken. Well, and that's probably a not Sam Levinson choice, but a studio choice. So, I, I mean, I'm out of things to say. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about this before we move on? I, I do think it's interesting that it, uh, how it, how and when it was shot, like, in June and July of, of last year when the pandemic was at its worst. It, it, if you haven't right. looked up like how, how the movie was actually filmed, like um, Zendaya and, and John David Washington both doing their own makeup and their own costume design mm-hmm. and huh. stuff like that. It's, it's very interesting. Um, so I, I think if nothing else, uh, it's, a, it's a historic movie um, for sure. Because of movies like Malcolm and Marie, does this open the door for a ton of movies in the future to be made like this? Like mm-hmm. very like small crew but you can have big actors like probably like not a terribly big almost all the budget for this movie had to go towards the actors right so yeah it was done on like reportedly like a 2.5 million dollar budget which for a movie this is like insane um right and, so, and sold yeah. for 30 right and um i think somebody else was initially supposed to play the role of uh marie but it had to be changed because of yeah i can't remember who I I hope that this opens the door towards uh towards stuff like that. Um, I hope this opens the door towards t- towards more kind of smaller bu- smaller budget, more contained movies. Um, because sometimes these wind up being my favorites. Well, uh, it sounds like we're kind of talking in circles, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's look, this is gonna be your thing or it's not, and and it's okay. Like I totally get that. So with all that, I think it's time that we. I, I think. You know, I think we spent too much time not talking about Mighty Ducks. So how about we move on to that? <laughs> we move on to the SIF topic where we're talking about the Mighty Ducks trilogy. These are all available to watch on Disney+. Plus. Um, so if you haven't seen them before, you can check them out. Also, like, here's your spoiler warning for 30-year-old movies is that we're going to talk openly and honestly about all of them. Uh, and so, like, we're not going to try to hold back anything. Um, and we're just going to be able to to kind of talk um, from our experience. And uh uh, I'm curious, uh, Phil. Before kind of rewatching these, when was the last time you seen the Mighty Ducks movies? 
Okay, so the yeah, one one correction right off the bat. I never had seen these movies actually until last year. So um, oh, nice. That's all. Yeah, that's all three of them. Uh, I know, I'm sure that's very different from from you guys. When you guys talk about nostalgia, for me, there is no, no no nostalgia. I never watched them. So for our podcast for Disney Plus reviews, you know, Grant is this younger guy. He's about ten years younger than I am, and so he has all this nostalgia for some movies from like the late nineties and early two thousands that I'm sure you guys grew up on too. And he was like, Hey, you know, mighty ducks, obviously we got, we got to cover that when they finally come to Disney plus because Disney plus didn't even add them until, you know, September or whatever it was this, this last yep. year. And I was just like, I, I, I don't know. I don't have any nostalgia. I've never seen him. He's like, what? <laughs> Cause these are like some of his favorite movies of all time. And I was like, I don't know. I just, they passed me by. I didn't watch them when they first came out and I just ne- never, never, you know, actually picked them up. And so, yeah, when I watched these, when they came to Disney Plus in September, I watched all three of them back to back for the very first time. So. Oh, nice. This will be very interesting because I think yeah. we're all on three different kind of history levels. Austin, what's your history with these movies? So I hadn't seen the first one, but I knew I'd seen the second and third one before, like way long ago, back Disney Channel days for me. And speaking of Disney Channel, my initial exposure was the animated series. Mm-hmm. I saw this one, the first one, for the first time just about an hour ago because I was like, it's one of those things where, like, did I see it or did I not? Sure. And then as soon as the credits rolled, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I clearly have not seen the first movie. Um, well, I mean, if you've seen Hardball, you've seen this movie. Yeah, so. or Miracle. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, uh, my history is that I grew up watching these movies. I mean, not. Not frequently. I, I had seen all three of them at some point in my childhood. Uh, I watched them all kind of as um, right before they dropped on Disney Plus, kind of as Disney Plus was dropping because um, they were on HBO before that just for a nostalgia trip. Uh, it, it had been probably 15 years since I'd seen between them. And I think I've maybe seen the first one and maybe the second one, like, I don't know, less than five times each. Uh, and I feel like I've seen the third one maybe five to 10 times. But again, it had been at least 15 years before i'd say probably a year ago and then i watched them all again last month with my wife who had never seen them so um so so this is interesting i have i have quite a bit of history austin has kind of maybe a little bit less than me and uh and phil's got only recent memories so so this this will be a lot of fun so uh the first mighty ducks this came out in 1992 quick reminder if you're like austin not sure if you'd seen this movie or not but this is about a self-centered Minnesota lawyer is sentenced to community service, coaching a ragtag ho- youth hockey team. Uh, and I mentioned it before, man, this is the same plot as Hardball. But also, <laughs> also this movie came out like five years before Hardball. So that's Hardball's fault. I, I was going to uh, say, Hardball isn't like this movie. Or no, the other way around. <laughs> this movie isn't like Hardball. Uh, hardball is like this movie. So Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and like... Obviously, hardball is not for kids, and, and this one very much is. But like, I feel like you can just swap Gordon Bombay and whoever Keanu's character is, and like, you'd get the same same movie. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see who wants to start first. We'll go with Austin. Austin, do you like this movie? Love it, hate it, dislike it? Think it's just okay. It might just be the adrenaline rush of the ending of this movie, but I love this movie. It is just goofy. It's hilarious. It's everything you want, and sports i don't know documentary action uh, everything you want a sports movie to be uh all right phil what are you going with 
I uh, hate to be boring, but I'm the same as Austin. I, I love this movie so much. Um, it's it, it's one of those things where like I, I came to it so late in life that I was just like, man, what was I doing all those years not watching this, right. this film? It's so good. Uh, man, I'm, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to – I like this movie. Interesting. I love this movie for nostalgia's sake. But no, this is not a great movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I love watching it, but it has so many faults. But it's just not enough for me – to still be able to competently say, I really love this movie because when I watch it, there are moments that really put me out as much as I enjoy watching it. I, I can't quite, I can't quite pull the trigger into love it, but uh, this will be fun. All right. Where do you want to start? What do we, how do, how do we want to start the conversation about the mighty ducks? Can we talk about the fact that the mighty ducks are named after <laughs> the firm head and it's not taken as an insult? <laughs> like. Hey, I want to name the uh, team after the firm. Okay, which one of the three? Ducksworth. Okay, what's the name <laughs> of the team? The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> You're fired right now. <laughs> Pack your things and go. I have so much more to say about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Just like so clearly made for kids. The duck phone. What? What? <laughs> I, I just... I can't with this movie sometimes. I can't vibe with this movie on some level. It's just ridiculous. That Hawks coach yep. is just like, oh, you missed the a goal by like a quarter of an inch. You're dead to me. Right. <laughs> like you missed the penalty shot. <laughs> like, like, and like that's also not how penalty shots work. Like, it's not just you make it and you lose, and you don't, and you yeah. or you, you make it and you don't, you lose. Like. No, like it goes to shootouts and whoever scores more, like the other team didn't score. Like, I mean, maybe they just didn't show it, but only people that actually watch hockey like me are going (laughs) to, are going to notice. Yeah. And how does a hockey player who's just like outdoors all all the time is just there become a lawyer? Where where, where are the dots that I need to connect? Because I'd (laughs) like an explanation. Well, I mean, it's like this. Gordon was playing peewee hockey, so he was in like elementary school, maybe middle school, and then when the time we had to start thinking about what he wanted to do with this rest of his life, lawyers make money. <laughs> he wants to get the win, right? And like obviously he was over hockey by that point, so like, well, yeah, he wants to get the win. Why does anybody do anything? <laughs> no, Why does anybody like, pick any career path? I was just watching based off him. of their youth sports, and I was just like, okay. He clearly has an affinity. He knows people, as we see later in the film. He mm-hmm. could have just been like, hey, do me a favor. Just get me off of this guy's team. Put me on this team. Never occurs to him. His plan, I mean, I'll become a lawyer. That's what I want to do. <laughs> it, it, to me, it's all about how his his coach was so awful on him and shamed him in the one moment that he needed to lift him up. Uh, especially this is supposed to be like right after the the death of his dad, like maybe a couple mm-hmm. years, uh, especially in the time that the coach really needs to be that father figure, that supportive person. And I mean, that, that would ruin hockey for me. Yeah. I took so. it as the year of, if not like a month after. Yeah. It's, it's close. It's very close. Um, Phil, where do you want to start? What do you, what's your first kind of notes about this movie? So this of the three, I mean, I guess I'm kind of 
hinting at my at the other ones, but of the three, this one is my favorite movie um, in the trilogy, and I think it has everything to do with where I was at in life when I when I saw it. So you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm in my 40s now and watching a movie about a guy that's in his you know 30s or 40s or whatever, and so I I really latched onto Gordon more than the players. Even I think most kids when mm-hmm. they're watching this movie are like identifying with certain players that they like. Yep. And for me, I was the this the captivating part of the story was Gordon's story, and I'm a sucker for like the whole like flashback thing to when he was a kid, and then you know now he's an adult and uh, essentially a failed hockey player, but you know trying to do this gig as a lawyer that you know he's good at it, um, but he's not like um, this is his, like his first love or anything like that, and then you know, going into coach the, coaching this hockey team, which he doesn't really want to do at first, but obviously he's really good at it. And like, this is what he was born to do and like discovering that love. And then uh, just like the little romantic interest thing with the the mom of um, Joshua Jackson's uh, character, Charlie, I thought that was really neat, cute and just how they kind of connected over, over this, you know, this coach um, player relationship and just, um, I just, I, I loved watching his journey, like where he started at the beginning of this film to the, where he is at the very end rooting for this like little league hockey team and bringing them to this big championship and stuff like that. It's like, man, he had to come such a long way just in the span of that two hour movie. So yeah, I really latched on to, to Gordon's character a lot. I think, I mean, I think Emilio Estevez does a really great job in this movie. I completely agree. But at the same time, like they write him to be the most unlikable scum like in the history of unlikable people. Like he, he's not, it's not just like, look, Keanu and Hardball is just kind of, try, you know, he, he's running away from his debt. The debt collectors try to break his legs and he's just kind of a cynical person based off of his experiences. But like Gordon is just, he's just selfish. He's yeah. a jerk. He's bullying these kids. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if this is true or not, but one of the notes I made was, I think this part was written for Charlie Sheen. <laughs> it, because it just, the hair is styled the same way. He's got the same mannerisms. And it just looks like a role that Charlie Sheen would do in 1992. Here's what they should have done. They should have cast Charlie Sheen for the first half of the movie and Emilio Estevez for the second half. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Gordon's redemption is earned in this movie. Like, and that's somebody like yo. Obviously, a big fan of these movies. I don't. I don't at all see where he decides to change, and why he decides to change. It's Hans, man. It's all about Hans. It's, it's all about those nice pair of skates. <laughs> They're just really nice. The edges are nice. That's true. Uh, Phil, this will be interesting to ask you about. Um, one of the things I love about watching this movie is seeing all the kids on the hockey team that are in other movies, and so yeah. we have. Like, uh, there's one of the players that I don't think we ever see playing hockey, but he's like the lead kid in heavyweights. And of course, Goldberg is in like seven or eight different movies and uh, Joshua Jackson going on to do Fringe and uh, the Fuller character goes on to be um, uh, Foggy Nelson in the Netflix Daredevil TV show. Uh, and we get uh, we get some people in like what, How to American Summer. Like, what what's that experience like seeing some of these like little kids? Okay, so yeah, when I when I started, you know, hit play on the on the first movie, I didn't look at the cast list at all. I knew obviously Emilio, but other than that, I didn't know who else was even in the movie. And um, it got to the first frame with Charlie, and I was just like, "Is that Joshua Jackson?" <laughs> I, like, I, I didn't even know he was in the movie. And of course, he's not just in the movie, but he's you know maybe the central figure for all three of the movies. And I was like, 
man, that's the guy from Fringe. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I love Fringe. Fringe is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. When, mm-hmm. when you guys were talking about uh, last week about, you know, favorite shows and shows that are like some of your favorites of all time, I was like, somebody say Fringe. Um, but yeah, I, I love Fringe so much. And so when I saw this young Joshua Jackson, now he's he's very quiet. He like the Charlie that's in the first movie is not the best Charlie that he, he becomes more of a force in the movies that we're going to talk about next. But like in this movie, he's pretty quiet. He's pretty reserved. Um, is obviously this is a very early in his career, Joshua Jackson. Um, but I think he really comes into his own later on, but yeah, that for me, the big character, the big actor from this movie, that and Goldberg, um, were just like, because I had just seen the heavyweights for the first time last year too. I'm telling you, I didn't, I didn't grow up with these movies. So, yeah. So I, I, I had just seen heavyweights, like literally like four weeks before this movie or something. I was like, Oh, okay. I love that kid. So um, yeah, that it's a little different for me. But. Well, and uh, of course Goldberg plays the, uh, the hip character, Josh in heavyweights as well. So <laughs> we got a double, I really think there's probably, a, I bet you there was a contract in there that made him do heavyweights or, some, something along those lines. Yeah. I don't know. People try to screw over kids with contracts, so <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but also, like he looks like he's having fun doing all of them. And like to me, these are his two best roles as Goldberg and Josh in in Heavyweights. But to me, it's just interesting, like seeing because when I started first started watching Fringe, and yeah, I love Fringe too. I saw it when I was in college, and man, I just booked through that so quick because it's, it's so fascinating. But like the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, like that's Charlie from Mighty Ducks. Like he, he shouldn't be this old. It's funny. I, that's how, how I was exposed to Joshua Jackson was Fringe. When you said Joshua Jackson, I'm like, wait, I know that name from somewhere. And then you said Fringe, and I'm like, oh right. That combined with the presence of John Noble and the Boys season two, it's been a good year for me with Fringe reunions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and you know, also we got Hans, which is the bad guy from Lethal Weapon too. But that's you know he's about that's about the same couple of years apart. So yeah, uh, gosh, as a hockey fan, this is bad hockey. But like, it's a '90s Disney movie. Like, I'm willing to forgive it. <laughs> and uh, like, so that's like that's the thing is like when you, when you watch a movie and you're like, this is not at all how this sport is played, and this like this team shouldn't be winning. But like, also I'm having fun watching it, so it's okay. And like. It's not like there's other hockey movies to be compared compared to because like I mean Miracle obviously but even that didn't come out until the early 2000s like Slapshot I know is is really uh, held wide in in hockey players views but like Goon is rec- like there's there's like seven or eight decent hockey movies out there so like yeah I'll take what I can get well and a lot of them came out after this this year in 1992 and a lot of them aren't for kids like uh, if you're looking right. for like a kids hockey movie like is is there anything else worth mentioning i mean like i mean i mean i think you could show a kid miracle but miracle yeah, yeah. but not, like in 1992 from no, the 90s like, i mean this is literally the only franchise from the 90s that's kids hockey it's kind of crazy yeah, yeah. i kind of think this is the start where america started to get obsessed with small sports as mm-hmm. as they were at the time i don't think was the nhl even being broadcast on espn at this time I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, but because this is right about the time the movie comes out, this is where Minnesota relocates to Dallas. And then a couple years later, Minnesota gets a franchise again, like a decade later. So like, I, I don't know how widely it was broadcast outside of like playoffs. Um, I know NHL took a while and really until like the mid 2000s when NBC Sports Network, Comcast Sports Network became a thing. Like, I, don't, I still don't think there's hockey on ESPN at all. Um, nor has there been because it was Comcast Sports Network is really kind of what brought it into most households. Yeah. 
So yeah, I, I don't I don't think so, and I don't know. So you're, I mean, you're right. This was definitely a niche sport at the time. I don't know. Maybe there's some maybe there's some like Disney Canada hockey movies or something. <laughs> okay, so, I gotta download a VPN. Well, and even you get a little bit of hockey in a. Uh, uh, in, in the beginning of Happy Gilmore, but <laughs> not going to show that to a kid. <laughs> okay, now I've got to rewatch that. I, I've got to come back next time and be like, okay, I've watched Happy Gilmore. Here are my notes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but this is, like, this is also, like, again, going along the lines of this being not a great hockey movie, is that, like, none of the, the there's only one duck on this team that improves throughout the movie, and that's Goldberg. And it's only because they tie him to the post and they just realized he had a confidence issue. Like he thought it was going to hurt a lot, but all they do is just get new skaters. They pull in Fuller, they pull in Reed, they pull in Banks. Uh, no, not Fuller. They Fulton, yes, Fulton, 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 not Fuller, Fulton. They pull in Reed, they pull in Banks uh, and they pull in the two figure skaters who, by the way, contribute one goal, this whole movie. Yeah. And it's, yeah I was like, and not even... there's, there's some definite, definite showmanship uh, in the, in all, honestly, all three of the movies are like this, but yeah. like where, where it's just like, okay, you know, I, I don't believe that someone's going to do, you know, a, a triple spin, whatever, and then shoot a goal and make it, you know, it's like, you know, it's obviously for the fun of it for kids and stuff like that. I do think like the, the triple deke, yeah. it, even though I'm sure it's very cheesy uh, to like an actual hockey fan, um, like the fact that, that it was, mm-hmm. you know, Bombay's thing. And then, and then he finally like realizes it in, like vicariously through Charlie. I thought that was kind of cool. But like the flying V and all that stuff is like is so it's so cheesy, but it's so for kids. Like I, I can kind of forgive some of that stuff. Yeah. And like the refs had to have called the yep. Hawks on their crap earlier. <laughs> because I mean, yep. they're straight headbutting. Like, well, especially like, in Pee Wee Leagues. Like, yeah. like you can talk about this to, a lot to this in the nineties, but I mean, especially NHL specifically has gotten more safety regulation as, as so as the NFL and all these sports have gotten more safety minded, but Pee Wee has always been safety minded. Like, but it's a nineties sports movie and nobody actually gets hurt. So yeah, it's very similar to uh, luck of the Irish for me in terms of representation of the sport. Yeah. Yeah. I I was reminded of like the longest yard. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about just briefly about how uh, they draft end up getting banks, Adam Banks. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought that was actually super interesting. It's it has nothing to do with recruitment or anything like that. It was basically a loophole that that Gordon yep. finds like in the in the districting. Like it's really like boring stuff when you really think about it. But like he as he's kind of using his lawyer, you know, techniques that he's picked up. But like he basically figure, figures out that they redistricted in some year like before the season but they never actually adjusted the players based yep. on where they lived in the city uh, of Minneapolis. And so like, because the line was actually drawn like, you know, three blocks to the left or whatever, then Adam actually should be on the Ducks team. And that's how they end up pulling their best player, or one of their best players over to the Ducks in the middle of the season. And then Adam, you know, obviously becomes, you know, this force to be reckoned with, even though he gets injured and all that kind of stuff. But like, I, right. I, I, I thought, I thought that like, the the business um if you can call it that behind peewee hockey uh i i didn't expect this be shown in this movie and yeah the fact that they threw that in there as like a hey this is how we're gonna get ahead in the league i thought was actually like kind of interesting so well and i i also think kind of the follow-up to that with ducksworth having some friend that is the kid's father for Mm. ducksworth putting the pressure on to release him to the hawks like otherwise, you're going to be yeah. fired. Like I, I thought that was also kind of an interesting pull because we got to pull Gordon out of the. And it doesn't make sense for Duxworth character because he was kind of a good guy for the yeah. first hour and then 
20 minutes of this movie, but I thought it was clever as well. That's a great point. And can we talk about real quick, speaking of Ducksworth, how much they thought $15,000 was in the grand scheme of like being <laughs> being a big law firm in, in a skyscraper in Minneapolis? Right, right. Yeah, like the law firm in Minneapolis, right, $15,000 being told much. But like, the other thing, man, hockey equipment is expensive. I was walking around a Shields yesterday, and like a hockey stick just at Shields is $200. Yeah. Nobody tapes their sticks. What's going that's on a, here? That's a lot of that's a lot of money. I don't, but I, you know, whatever. Uh, do you guys have a favorite kid, favorite player? Bolton. Yeah, interesting. I think you know this is obvious, but I, I really, I do really like Charlie. Um, I, I, I think I agree with you. I don't think that he grows a lot in this movie. Um, uh, but if you take the trilogy as a whole, I, I, I do like Charlie the best. Um, I, I'm gonna have some problems with that as we get later in the trilogy. But yeah. <laughs> Just man, I can't wait till we talk about D three. <laughs> yeah, D three is my least favorite of of the three. But oh, yeah. so um, man, I, look, he's he's very rarely on the ice, but Averman is just a treat to this movie. He's by far oh, my favorite. Yeah, yeah, his little, his little he's quips. Good, yeah. He's so funny. He's he's, he's so like annoying second. to everybody except for the people watching the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Goldberg a lot too. But. Yeah, yeah, Goldberg's a lot of fun. <laughs> I have a I have a note in here. I can't remember what this is, but I have. Was that a blue balls joke in a kids movie? <laughs> yeah, in the uh, chemistry room. Oh yeah, that must have been it. Because they were talking about the chemical formulation of. I'm gonna get nerdy here, kid. Um, the chemical formulation of H2O, and they were talking about the two oxygens being blue balls. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> kind of the last note I have on this is where's the sequel of the movie, but how the co- uh, how the Hawks coach ruins the goalie's life the same way he did Bombay's. <laughs> <laughs> what if that's what this Disney Plus reboot is about? <laughs> like, what if he goes Cobra Kai on us? <laughs> it, you know, I've seen the trailer and I think that's where it's going to go. Oh, it's yeah? going to be like Mighty Ducks are now the Hawks and this new team, whatever is going to be the new Mighty Ducks or something. Cool. Well, um, I have I have one last note about this movie. It's just why I'm in liked it instead of loved it. Is I think this movie tries to balance being a, a funny kids movie and also being a kind of serious movie. I don't think it balances it well, though. Um, I really wish this movie leaned in a little bit more to the like kids' humor. Like, I want like a little giant's kind of tone for this movie where you can still have your like semi-serious, understandable relationships. But at the same time, like it's just a lot of fun. And I... I do think that D2 and D3 get there. Um, I just wish, especially watching them back to back to back, there's a stark difference in, in each movie. So I wanted this to be a little bit more fun. If you're, if it's going to try to be serious, then like be a good quality, serious movie, not a, you know, Disney a nineties, Disney produced quality, serious. Yeah. I I will say you talk about um, being a kid's movie. I did make a note of here. There's a scene where the kids are being chased. Does everyone here know what overcranking is? So you remember Mad Max Fury Road? Has everyone seen yeah. that? Um, where Max looks like he's running twice the speed. Okay. Oh, got it, got it. They got do it. something oh, here yeah. where they do that, but it's like the most jarring bit of overcranking because it's just like li- they're running like light speed or something. Uh-huh. And it does it for a good, I think, three minutes. I think it just <laughs> does it for like a good three minutes. And I'm just like, what is going on? I felt like I was watching a Christmas story. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't have any more notes. Do you guys have any 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 other things you want to say before we make our piece about this one? No. Sweet. Um, all right, your guys' opinions. Uh, if somebody is, in the, is listening right now and hasn't seen this movie in 15, 20 years but remembers it fondly, would you tell them, yeah, man, check it out. It's actually worth it. Or would you be like, no, it's better just left in the past? I would I say watch it. I, yeah. I think it's I think it's great. I think I think it it probably holds up, you know, mostly to what you remember. Yeah, I think if you liked it originally, you'll still like it now. Well, we'll have to see what your kids think about in twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Austin? Keep it in the past or bring it forward? Uh, bring it forward. I I really do think this is the perfect mesh of almost nineteen eighties nostalgia. It seems like, especially with that opening, and mm. th- that this era of extreme sports and Emilio Estevez really just it's its a shame we don't get a lot of movies of his anymore. I mean, the public was great, but I mean, that was two years ago sure. or three years ago now. And I think anyone can get on, on this. If, if they, if your kids like elf, they're going to like this movie. I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm saying, go ahead and give it a watch. Uh, to me, I was a little disappointed by it, by watching it because I remembered it being a little bit more fun because I remembered it. Um, being a little bit more iconic, but still, I, I had a great time with it. I really like this movie. This may be a good transition uh, to talk about to, to give you some specifics on maybe why I I was disappointed. But um, let's see, Mighty Ducks two. This is a nineteen ninety four movie. Synopsis for this movie is Gordon Bombay is forced to withdraw from the minor hockey league with a knee injury, and much to his surprise, he um, is given the job of coach of Team USA hockey for the Junior Goodwill Games in California. Austin, you already said that you were kind of. You you remember had seen this one? Did you? What's the last time you saw this one? Like you definitely remembered seeing this in the past, but what's yeah, the last it, time you seen it? it? It's been a while. It's been at least ten years. Just watching a clip just to remind me of what this movie was. No. <laughs> All right, so we'll get to your thoughts in a minute. But uh, okay. <laughs> you said you you'd watch this about a year ago for the first time. Did you actually do like back to back to back, or did you space them out? No, I, I watched. I did watch all three movies over the span of about a month, though. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. I saw this again, kind of as I was doing my thing about a year ago, uh, revisiting all these from my nostalgia. I remember this one a little bit more fondly, um, but I do remember D3 the most. um, And for a specific reason that we'll talk about when we get to D3. But I do remember this one a little bit more. Um, Like I said, I think I've seen this one more times than the Mighty Ducks. Who did we start with last time? Austin or Phil? About like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. Whatever. We'll just go with Austin. Austin, you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. I hate it. I hate this movie. <laughs> it, it, no, just no. All right, where are you at, Phil? Boy, I'm about as opposite as you can get. I, I love this movie. <laughs> I'm with Phil. I love this movie so much. <laughs> I'm very interested, to hear, very interested to hear from Austin, though. Oh, yeah. Well, Austin, where do you want to start? <laughs> this movie finds the most inane ways to just say, oh, we're back in the movie that yep. I can think of. At the and I remember this because I just watched the first one. He goes to the tryouts and then he's like, well, "I'll be back next season." And then we start this, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I've been in the minor hockey league. Forgot about you guys, but hey, I got a knee injury, so hey, let's do Team USA hockey. But we gotta get new players." And it's like, did Disney just say, "Oh hey, we saw money last time. Let's mm-hmm. do another one," and we gotta animated series in the works so why not i just <laughs> no the new players just don't do it for me yet it it, it kind of loses a lot of the luster i 100 percent disagree with you on every point you just made <laughs> <laughs> i mean i that's okay 
I think I think this is very much yeah. A how can we make a sequel? Sure. So I disagree with the other point. I think the new additions to this movie help this movie so much. And part. So I was talking about the tone of the first movie being a reason why I don't think I love this. This one is straight up cheese, and it's just fun. They don't really try to have any serious moments. Uh, they do have like try to have a couple, but no more than any other movie would be. It's it's so much fun. I think the new additions are great. Um, I had notes about the cast uh, here. The heavyweights kid is gone. He, I think he's the only uh, one of the only like ducks to return. But like, I don't care because he didn't do anything in the first movie anyway. <laughs> and then the figure skaters are just replaced with one, which okay. And I like this new kid a lot better, the little Asian kid. Can um, yeah. And Can so like, he's a lot of fun. And why have two people to do one person's job? The leather jacket kid is isn't back, and it's fine. Uh, the um, there was like some little punk kid. I don't even remember his name from the first movie. Oh yeah. But he, you know, he's he's gone. But they replaced it with a new, you know, new leather jacket kid with Keenan Thompson. But so, and then Jimmy, the 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 African American kid, is back, but his brother isn't back. Yeah, <laughs> was, it's super weird. Uh, and then Keenan Thompson, like I said, is a lot of fun. And then the I don't remember his name, but the other Bash Bro, because there's uh, Fulton and whoever the other guy is. Yeah, I'll think of it in a second. Right. Well, it, anyway, he's awesome. It's um, Portman, isn't it? And then the, the new goalie, Connie, is, like, awesome, but she literally has one shot to take in the whole game. Yeah. Like, she's so wasted in this movie. <laughs> I looked it up. Um, it is Dean Portman. But, yeah. Um, okay. Okay. I, they're, they're kind of – Fulton and, and Portman are kind of the same – you know, two sides of the same coin for me as far as, like, their character. Um, but I do, I do like the Bash Brothers, uh, like, enforcer part of the team. Oh, yeah. So. Yep. And then uh, – <laughs> Um, of course, we have uh, Charlie's mom being written out, which uh, was really jarring because yeah. they say that she was remarried, and we're only expect a, like there's only supposed to be a year that has passed because they mentioned that in the AHL commentary, the um, the American Hockey League, the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. They're like last year he was coaching Pee Wee. It's like so they were dating pretty strong, yeah, and a year has passed and she's already remarried. It's such just, a weird choice that they just yeah. her completely out of the cast. Yeah, because in the original they say, "Oh, she's like really cautious with Charlie," and I right. mean, it's, uh, like you have to be in this in the long run because I have a kid. Like, you know, I, I guess she wasn't. That's true. I, uh, and then I of course know. we have the addition of Benny the Jet Rodriguez. I don't know his name yeah. in this movie, but <laughs> we get Benny from the Sandlot. There's the kid that can't stop. Oh, and uh, <laughs> and my personal favorite is the kid from Texas that like oh. straight up lasso somebody on the ice, yeah, Dwayne. like in a game, and they don't call it Dwayne, right, Dwayne? <laughs> like you're not allowed to do that. that but that's the clip I watched. Oh, like you're totally not allowed to do that, but I don't <laughs> care because it's just trying to make me have fun. I I love that that first like training montage scene where he just like starts roping them, like roping yep. the entire team on the ice. Um, so good. Uh-huh. Uh, and then let's see. So Banks and Goldberg are back. Averman is still just a delight. Jim Jimmy is kind of a nothing character in this movie, except to pick on Banks for no reason. I don't know why they haven't accepted him, but fine. Yeah, I mean, he Char- took one for the team, right? <laughs> uh, Charlie Charlie kind of does nothing in this movie except for take the bench when you know he really didn't need to. Like, why not pull Averman? Like, I'd rather have Charlie than Averman. <laughs> yeah, um, and. Connie's boyfriend is back, but literally has nothing to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> like even the two bullies from the Hawks still make it back and have something to do in the movie. Like why is Connie's or not? Con- uh, yeah, Connie's boyfriend. I said Connie for the goalie earlier, but Connie's back and her boyfriend is back, but he just kind of sits in the background. <laughs> I will start by saying that I think the premise of this 
movie is my least favorite part of it. Like just the fact that they're doing some kind of like national competition against other countries and stuff like that. It feels very Rocky for Ivan Drago. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It just, it, it feels to me like, okay, we have to one up the stakes from the first movie. What's something crazy we can do? And they're like, Oh, well, how about these characters find five other players and make this like mega team. That's like Olympics territory for like, peewee and um it, it felt like they went a little too far with it because then yeah. where do you where do you want up from there like going into d3 is like okay we can't outdo that um so i think they they went a little too fast there but um sure. as, far, as far as like the feel of the movie the the just the the fun you know just having a good time watching these kids like just be nuts and do like crazy stunts and stuff like that this is my favorite of the three i i, I do like the story in the first one better but the, as far as like just like i mean this is the movie where we get the knuckle puck this is where we uh-huh. get the, the street hockey with the street kids and uh-huh. you know drafting russ and stuff like that i was like this is there's there's some really iconic scenes in this movie i'm so happy you said that because this is my favorite one of the three too yeah <laughs> again just because it's so much fun it's clearly got its issues but it just kind of is like eh let's just have some fun like let's just throw a kid with a lasso on the ice and and let's see what that does. Yeah, the the one of the first scenes in this movie where you kind of get to know the dentist a little bit is that um, a press conference scene um, where yep. they're like he's Bombay's like talking on the mic, or whatever, talking about how great their team is. We're going to take Team USA all the way to the top, and they're like you know in the in the crowd like you know sneering over him and stuff like that. A lot of it again is very cartoony, but um, I think like the movie does come around on that and you know, obviously they, you know, stick it to him at the end and it's well done, even though it is a little like Looney Tunes sometimes. So, but I think, I think, I think that's on purpose though. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Your audience. Well, and so you mentioned how you think this is trying to tell a Rocky four story. I think this is trying to convey the importance of miracle on ice to, to the people, the story that miracle is based off of the USA is the underdogs of beats Russia in the, in the finals and uh, of the U S Olympics. And I think this is just trying to convey that story, but to to an audience uh, of kids. I think they're trying to retell the same. So, I mean, maybe also Rocky Four, but I think I think they're trying to say, let's take the story of Miracle on Ice and let's put that in a kids format. You know, we already have our hockey franchise, so so let's just go ahead and do that. It's it's kind of it's kind of relieved though that we have a big bad bad guy that's not Russian. You know, <laughs> but uh, Austin, what else do you think? What are you thinking about right now? I just think about how grading this movie is um (laughs) it is the antithesis of empire strikes back for me it is not the middle thing in a trilogy where you go like oh yes that was even better than the first it's one of those where you're like okay let's get to d3 i mean i mean maybe sure and for me I'm, again, I'm a hardcore disagree with you. I, I don't look, obviously this is no like new hope to Empire Strikes Back, uh, yeah. but what I do, I, like I said, I think this the reason this movie works so well for me is it find it, it finds the tone that it wanted all along just right, and it just kind of rolls with it. And that I mean, more than anything, that's what I wanted. And you know, it's able to to understand like you know, I we we did this, and you know, here here's where we can build. Here's here's where we can put post-it notes and be like, people seem to resonate most with the stuff that's actually fun. So let's just have some fun. And you know, when we had when we had the training with the eggs, well, how about how about we have this kid with a lasso kind of 
kind of just chase everybody around and essentially play stuck in the mud. So, I mean, to me, that's what, that's kind of how that is. Um, I think, you know, obviously Empire Strikes Back hits a lot of its story strides. I think this hits a tonal stride that then sails it through to, to D3 for other reasons. You know, maybe D3 is not as good. Um, I, I really, really like Julie um, in this movie a lot. Like, um, you know, obviously Goldberg is, is, is Julie the assistant coach or the other goal, uh, goalie? Sorry, the other goalie. Yeah. Got it. Because okay, um, I called her Connie earlier, but yeah, yeah Julie. <laughs> I identify with her a lot because I, I, I was like when I played sports when I was a kid and stuff like that, I was never very good. And so I was the kid that rode the bench the entire season and stuff like that. Like I'm there for practice, but I'm not really there for the game. And so like when I watched her, you know, just kind of basically sit out because, you know, Goldberg's on a hot streak or whatever. And then, you know, in that final game, you know, get, get, repl- you know, they do that, that swap out. And then I, I think you see even more from Julie in the, in the third movie, but um, yeah, yep. it's, it's, it's cool to see her character develop from like this shy girl. That's like, you know, barely has the gumption to even speak up about like, Hey, I want to play uh, to like actually stepping up to the plate and like helping out, the, helping, helping the team win at the end and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm not going to sit by and not mention the appearance of the great one himself, Wayne Gretzky in this movie. So <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a lot of cameos. Oh yeah. And if you, man, if you can get Wayne Gretzky, I mean, it's probably not hard to get Wayne Gretzky in your stuff, but here's $10 you know. million appear in our movie. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know that it costs that much. They were probably like, Hey, well, we're making a movie that's going to get kids interested in hockey. You want to be a part of it? We'll pay you a hundred bucks. <laughs> we'll give you a mighty duck Jersey with, for, with your name on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was top class back then too. I, I mean, talking about getting like the biggest NHL player you can find, but he's, I um, mean, he's still considered the greatest NHL player of all time. Yeah. So he just, to still get him to stuff is still a treat. So um, Kareem's in it. Christy Yamaguchi's in it from Olympic fame. So yeah, there's yeah, a- yeah. There's a lot of fun fun cameos there. We haven't talked about the the team Iceland's assistant coach. Um, mm-hmm. She uh, has this kind of like flirtatious relationship, and both of the movies, both of the first two movies, kind of have this um, turnaround type thing where you think. Bombay is doing something bad, but then it turns out he he wasn't doing anything bad after all. I mean, in this one, he kind of is like he apologizes to the team and comes back yeah. and stuff like that. But um, like I I thought that was not as interesting as the the love interest in the first movie, but um, still interesting enough to uh, have some like infighting and friction within the within the team. Yeah, I I don't have a problem with their relationship. I do have a problem how when he eventually ends that relationship, he immediately rebounds to the tutor. And oh, like yeah. it, it, you know, it's just like they were dating all along. Like that's kind of my problem, <laughs> but but it, maybe it's just overshadowed by the fact that I hate Bombay's kind of giving into corporate breed, greed arc so much more. Mm. That hockey's about money, not about playing and winning. You know, but it's you know because he's he's got like the slicked back, gelled hair. Yeah. Uh, he he he's wearing suits everywhere, and um, he's like really high. He he, he could totally be bought. Um, <laughs> that's the arc that I just don't care about. Maybe because. You put this in the first movie and fine, but I don't understand why it's in this movie. I don't understand, you know, with this character of Bombay that we've learned to grow and love and believe him to to care about these kids first and foremost. Yeah, I think it might just be a case of the whole thing where maybe it was a thing from the original movie, like Lotso was supposed to be in Toy Story 1, but he appeared in Toy Story 3. Yeah. And where whoever was writing it, I can't remember off the top of my head, said, okay, well... Maybe we turn him more into a villain this time because he did go away when he said he'd be back next season. Yeah, maybe. Or, I mean, you, you could talk about maybe now that Bombay's hitting the big times, you know, now he's got to struggle with his love for the game versus his love for money. Like, 
True. I get it. It's just annoying and it's not fun at all in this oh, really I fun agree. movie. It's a complete mood killer. I have I have a list of things that are annoying about this movie, but I, at the end of it, it's just like I still had a great time. <laughs> and that's what's important. There's one weird thing that happens in the, the, the very final game. They It's their mascot. They're not the Ducks. Or they have different yeah. jerseys or whatever. I can't remember. They're, what team, they're team USA. Team, they're just Team USA, not, not the Ducks. Yeah. And so uh, at the at you know at the end as as like a locker room you know rev them up kind of speech whatever they they bring out the the ducks jerseys and then they they you know they start quacking and then they go out there as ducks and you know do the flying V and everything else whatever um, you know we're gonna win this game as ducks you know and I was just like I'm not sure you can change your jersey in the middle no. of the game. <laughs> One hundred percent. That is not allowed. <laughs> At least as far as I'm aware. But, <laughs> I'm pretty but again, sure you have, you have to have that approved. But... It's on my list of things that are awful about this movie. <laughs> I just have so much fun with it. It's great. I it's 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 a really fun moment, and it's awesome for the audience and stuff like that. But then when you when you, the credits roll and they're singing "We Are the Champions" around the campfire, you're like, yep. wait wait a second. I don't think you can actually change your jersey in the middle of a game. <laughs> Yeah, they'd probably like win, and but then somebody would announce, and Team USA has been disqualified for, <laughs> because they I mean, didn't play. Well, here's the thing: I don't think that they would have had. I, I don't. I don't think they would have been necessarily disqualified as much as you know. Here's a penalty: delay a game and go change back into your actual uniform. Yeah. But like <laughs> the fact that they also made new uniforms for everybody, and like these are by far the best looking jerseys of this franchise that i have an original in the closet right behind me i have a gordon bombay like original mighty ducks jersey like the the green with the with the duck on it but it's it's nowhere near as good as the the one that they unveil in in mighty ducks 2 which is um the logo for used to be for a while for the anaheim ducks um like they use the the duck build hockey mask uh as they're with with hockey sticks crossed behind it for a while um, like, that's wild to me by the way that they that, that like an actual real nhl team designed their stuff after a movie franchise. i'm not sure which one was first i'm not sure if anaheim did it first or if, or if the mighty ducks did it first yeah um, but I, I love the logo i really love it yeah, yeah I, i'm sure they were trying to capitalize off, I, i'm sure anaheim was trying to capitalize off of disney or maybe disney was trying to help the the nhl franchise you know, maybe maybe that's when anaheim was getting their start i really don't know well, they could have um, given them a percentage since Disneyland is in Anaheim, and they could say, "Well, you could like that could be it. You could use our stuff, but you've also got to promote Disneyland or something like that." Maybe. Well, and you know, that, I mean, that would make a lot of sense, especially like I said, I don't know when when Anaheim became a franchise, but around perhaps if that was if that was the year of this expansion, and they did the Anaheim team, maybe they did. Well, let's tie it in with the Mighty Ducks too. But anyway, these these jerseys are awesome. I really love them. But yeah, you're right; it's totally like. Who would allow that? <laughs> Austin, do you have, do you have any, anything more to say? I, I feel like just me and Phil talk about how fun this is. And- <laughs> I mean, it's just something I think where story is more, more important to me than tone. Uh, sometimes okay. I think a director can take a tone too far and just really ruin the thing. Like, she dies tomorrow. It's a great tonal, but the story isn't there at all. Okay. So I agree, except for kids' movies. Okay. I think th- I think that's why I'm why I mean a little bit more lenient on this is that this I mean this is a very simplified story that has a lot of working pieces and most of them don't work. 
but tone is so important to me for a movie like this. Uh, you know, and I think Heavyweights is the best of both worlds. The the best tonal movies I see still have a good story. Like I don't particularly care about the ones that are you know, kind of like Roma. Like right, I don't care for that um, because I want this. I want a story. I want a story that means something. But I think all that is thrown out the window when you're talking about a, a movie made for kids. Phil, Phil, would you agree with that? Would you kind of modify what I said? No, I think that's right on. I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to gang up on Austin here. I'm just saying like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, fun. Fun. <laughs> I, I think, I, I think kids movies can get, can get a pass on, on things that you wouldn't necessarily give the same pass to in adult films, but not adult films. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, well, That'll do it for the Mighty Ducks 2. Uh, obviously, I'm saying if you have not seen this in 15 years, you should really give this one another shot. So much so that I'm going to say, if you want to give one of these movies another shot, please make it the Mighty Ducks 2. You know, if you only have the time for one or you want to kind of dip your toe in the water, make it two. Make it Mighty Ducks 2. <laughs> what about you? Uh, we'll start with Phil and then go to Austin. Um, I, I like this movie almost as much as the first one. I, I really do prefer the... The first one just slightly. I'm just an edge slightly more than D2, but uh, D2 is is a movie I love almost as much as the first one, and that's pretty high praise for me. Uh, and this would be um, just above D3 for me, so it could D1, D2. Or, sorry, no, I messed that up. It would be D1 and then at the bottom of the list, D2. Got it. So you're saying for sure leave this hot garbage in the past. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's all right. on Disney Channel... I mean, what is Disney Channel anymore now that Disney Plus exists? Yeah, um, especially since Secret Society of Second Born Royals was a decom, and then they said, oh, put it on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by, by the way, uh, the, uh, D2 best soundtrack in the series. So, <laughs> yes. I, I, don't think I, I don't think I had a note on the, that. But. <laughs> that is a positive point for me. Yeah, we, we, will, we will rock you. You ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, whoop, there it Sold. is. Yeah, I'm sold. <laughs> we are the champions. It's, it, it's a bunch of Queen. It's really good. Well, uh, speaking of hot garbage, let's talk about the Mighty Ducks three. <laughs> All right, so I have the most history of this movie, um, and here's why: is I vividly remember the prank sequences back and forth. And oh, as yeah. somebody who would be watching this as a five year old, that's the things that I'm going to remember. I didn't remember anything about any of the hockey. Specifically, the ones that I remember are the they put the shaving cream and then tickle the face with the feather, and then the where they where they do the fire ants and they tie all the doorknobs together. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the moments I remembered most of this franchise before I rewatched all three of them. And so again, thinking of that and then going to the first Mighty Ducks was just such a tonal jar for me the first time I watched it. But I remember the most of this one for that reason. Again, same thing, Phil. You saw this probably about a, a year ago and then and then a month ago. Uh, Austin, uh, what's your history with this one? Around the same time, I think I, I think I saw two and three in like a mighty ducks marathon right before right as the animated series was actually premiering like i think they did a saturday morning here's the new animated series and also here's these other things yeah clarification by the way the animated series is not based off of this no no, no. I mean, it, it's in connection but it's about a team of aliens that play <laughs> on the mighty ducks so it was extremely my kind of show i mean gargoyle and all that. I think I've seen clips from it, but it's totally on my Disney Plus watch list. I mean, they're actual ducks. Like, yeah, yeah. Nothing, like, there's no Emilio Estevez. It is Mighty Ducks in name only. Yep, and I'm going to watch every glorious second of it. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, 
<laughs> All right, uh, Phil, we'll start off with you. Like it, love it, hate it, just like it, think it's just okay. I'm going to say, I'm to kind of use the kind of phraseology here on Sip Pop, I'm going to go low side of liked it. And Austin? I, I thought it was just okay. Oh, that's a little higher than I thought it would be. D3 is legendary for me. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about why that is. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go high side of liked it, liked it actually. Uh, I'm definitely not in loved it um, for specifically specifically one reason uh two reasons actually people crap on this movie a lot probably because the lack of emilio estevez you know kind of a new setting and i think that's really a lot of the reason why why people kind of crap on this one but i'm here to tell you this is this is better than you remember if you can detach yourself and willing to accept that emilio estevez is about 20 minutes of this movie then i think it's a great time all right austin i'm a, I'm a little excited you said this is legendary why i think this is actually for the same reasons you guys like D2. I think it really takes D1 and kind of takes it to a new level, but not in a way that seems forced. I mean, okay. Team USA kind of felt forced to me, but like varsity team, okay, that's low stakes, which has always been the mighty duck to me. We just got to do four goals and we're done. And So you're saying that the next Die Hard movie should be that John McClane like, gets a kitten down from a tree. Yeah, or just gets outside of his house. He just has to <laughs> find his keys and unlock the door and then get out of the house. Just make a nice, I would nice, love to watch an movie. hour and a half movie of, of Bruce Willis trying to find his keys and get out of the house. You know, I'll contact his agent and see if uh, he'll, he'll be uh, good with that. But yeah, I just... We'll, we'll have uh, Frank start writing the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the lack of Emilio Estevez actually helps because I think it allows the movie to grow up. Sure. I completely agree with you for the second half of this movie, but I think until we realize as the audience that Coach O'Ryan is on their side and is a good guy, um, I completely disagree with you on that. So, but w- again, which is fine, like respectfully, I yeah. totally understand where you're coming from. I think when Coach Ryan learns to have fun, you know, when they do the, we got to pick up the trash and, and he dumps out a bucket of trash on the ice. Like, I think, mm-hmm. I think that's the moment where this movie starts to get really fun uh, because up until that point, it's just, Coach O'Ryan is just kind of a tool. He doesn't seem to care about these people or about, about the players. The varsity's obviously picking on them, and, the, and they're ordering the JV to just kind of accept it. So, so I think I think I'm 100 with you for the second half of the movie, but the first half of this is just a little bit, a little bit much. But also, like watching it, like with as somebody that again watches hockey, like I totally am pro Coach O'Ryan. All of his strategies make sense. Um, he is really trying to turn the ducks into because he talks about like you guys don't know how to play defense and like because they don't because they don't have defenders it's like you guys need to learn how to play defense and i think he's he's right on track with where a coach needs to be with this team yeah Um, the the franchise needed to do something different with hockey with this movie because the first two movies was was all offense like it was just about the the showy ways that they could score goals you know it's 11 to 1 or whatever at the end of the game but no defense um and so like the two-way hockey thing in this movie, I, I think is is exactly where the franchise needed to go with with a third movie. Um, I uh-huh. just didn't I just didn't find it as thrilling um, as the the movies that preceded it. But well, and as and as a Chicago Blackhawks fan, you know I get something about not having a good defense and you winning <laughs> games but winning them seven to four in, yeah. instead of instead of what it should be. But um, yeah, also speaking I mean, of the Blackhawks, Charlie makes a line in here that just made me almost throw up in my mouth because he's talking to the girl that he's trying to hit on, the like reporter girl, and she mentions how that their team name, the Warriors, is offensive. And like, yeah, I, I could see how you can make that argument. But he lists the Chicago Blackhawks as a team that's more offensive. And like, 
no, it's not. Like, and this is just me, this is just me giving my little like irritable because like Blackhawks are making strides that way. Like, it's named after Chief Blackhawk. It's not. There's nothing racist about Blackhawks. It's it's named after a chief of the Indian tribe who is a notable no, noble warrior, and they show recognition for him. And I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna get off my soapbox. Okay. <laughs> so I, I want to talk about Coach Ryan for a second, since we you guys kind of talked about him a little bit yeah. already. Um, I did not like him at the beginning of the movie. Um, I, I basically had the same reaction as a lot of the players did. You know, this mm-hmm. who's who's this uh, militant guy that's coming in and you know t- bossing us around, and he doesn't know. He doesn't know who we are and we're ducks and he's not one of us and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt a lot of the same way. And I do love, love, love that scene with him and his uh, paraplegic daughter on the ice. And like, mm-hmm. I, I think for Charlie, that's the turnaround moment too, obviously. Like he hates this guy and he's trying to turn, turn the team against him and um, you know, let's, let's revolt and all this kind of stuff. And then when he is, you know, snuck into that room and kind of sees this other side of Orion, he's like, okay, you know, maybe this guy's not. And so for me, that, that's when I kind of turned around on him too. Um, I think, I think Orion's kind of a jerk um, in the first half of this movie, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, but totally I, agree. I, I do love him by the end. I totally agree. He, we're definitely meant to see him as a jerk um, with the way that they show him. And part of it is because we don't really see him outside of practice and he is being a jerk to them, but there, you know, he's being a jerk for the sake of like, he's still right. He's being a jerk yeah. for the sake of actual improvement. He's not, he's not being a jerk and trying to tank the team or anything like that. So I 100% agree with you. He is not a likable character until you see him with his daughter, but also like, again, I think he's a good coach. Yeah. Um, let's see other, other new cast uh, to this one is, is we got discount Sean Astin <laughs> <laughs> and when, and we got the JV uh, or the, the varsity uh, jerk captain. I don't even know his name. And we have the return of Hans and we have the return of Charlie's mom. Hans was not in the second movie and they, they made some kind of weird comment about like, oh, he's back in Sweden or wherever they're from. Um, right. You know, sorry, he couldn't make it to Team, team USA. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, hard, it's hard for me to go back and watch these movies way after they originally released and, and, uh-huh. watch, and watch them with a 2020 eye because I'm sure it was, it was not as cheesy back then you know, goodbye, Charlie. And like, and then him dying, like in the next scene, like I found that to be a little, a little over the top, but um, a little on the nose, I guess I should, I, I should say it that way. But, but I do, I do like Hans. I, I like him better than the, the, the uh, brother or whatever that was in the second movie. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Also speaking of uh, adult characters that are completely like meant to be seen as jerks, but also completely right. Charlie's mom is 100% right about Charlie's attitude. Cause he's like, yeah. you know, like, I don't want to play for this new coach. Cause this new coach sucks. He's like, well, have you given him a try? He's like, no. It's like, well, maybe you should like, listen to him. He's like, I'm not a, I'm not a warrior. I'm a duck. This whole movie, which gets so annoying so fast. Oh my <laughs> God. I think, I think the savior for the, again, for this movie, the savior is, 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 uh, is Averman. <laughs> he's so funny. <laughs> And his back and forth with Coach O'Ryan, like anytime the coach says something that Aberman can be a little snarky about, it just, it makes my day every single time. (laughs) I love how he's, he, when he jumps in, he always gives the wrong answer. Like Orion's like, you know, what are the three things we need? Blah, blah, blah. We need this, this. And and then he says something and he's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. Go take a lap. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's see. And, uh, and of course, Tex still, still being a great part to this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Still, still being one of the most fun, and of course, you know we have to have uh, another lasso scene of of trying to wrangle everybody up on the ice. <laughs> and I have a note here that says, "I miss the Bash Bros." And then later, wait, wait, Fortman is back. <laughs> like, 
I'm yeah. so happy. At the very and end. then I wrote another one was like, wait, Goldberg's a bash bro now? I'm so here for it. Yeah, he has this, Portman has this weird scene at the end, in the, I think it's in the very final game, where um, he takes off his clothes in the middle of the game. Yes, super yes. weird. Like, he, he pulls his jersey, he's shirtless, like he's not wearing anything from the waist up. Uh-huh. And he's like throwing his gear into the audience and, and like just screaming and stuff like that. But it's also kind of fun to watch too, like even though he's just a complete idiot, like he's obviously revving up the, the audience through mm-hmm. for the deck, so yeah. It's it was so fun to watch. It, he's again, he's the delight for this movie. You're absolutely right. Oh, and we've totally forgot to mention when the when the the little figure skating kid also becomes a bash bro in D two. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel bad for Banksy though, because he just kind of gets thrown on J on varsity. He didn't ask for it, you know, because he's a great player. Yeah, but also I feel like he could have done something. He like, kind of gets I also get... in all three movies. Like he's he's constantly getting injured. He or he's ineligible, or yeah, it's so weird. It, and the team just kind of hates him immediately. And it's like I didn't ask for this. Like yeah. they're like, well, but you didn't say that you didn't. You're not trying. And it's like I feel so bad for him uh, as a character. Austin, Austin, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking about? It's been a while since we heard from you. I've just been listening um, <laughs> because I just think that honestly, this is the best meshing of that previous two films that it's just we know we like this rough around the edges character so we're gonna make a new one so because emilio estevez has already done a lot of stuff i mean if you've already been in the minor leagues you've already been in team usa where do you where do you really have to go and then also say hey people missed these characters from uh from d1 so let's bring them back because people apparently loved them and we didn't know that so let's bring him back and try it. And I just think all of it really, really does work. I don't know if they got different script writers on this one or what, but th- this was amazing. It's it's definitely a new director. I don't know about screenplay writers because uh, each one of these three movies has a different director. Uh, and I and I do agree with you here. I think this is the best balance of the serious and the fun because the first Mighty Ducks, I just don't think is fun enough and it maybe goes a little too serious. And the second one, drops serious way down has a lot more fun which is great for watchability but also like with them also taking it serious they also care about plot details like way less in d2 and so like it would be prime for something like cinema sins to just tear to shreds yeah um but but something like d3 i think has a lot less of those issues at least like just thinking about the movie they're still obviously there because this is still a 90s disney movie but it has uh, but, the uh, best ducks logo i think the black yeah, and purple uh, the black and purple looks really nice as well. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just a fan of the the ones at the end of the of D two just a little more. But I I I, agree, I think I do agree with you where like they do manage to get they still have as much fun as they do in D two, but they also do pull up the serious just a little bit and actually have sort some emotional moments such as you know figure skating with the daughter and you f- kind of find out finally what Coach Ryan Coach Ryan's been like. Yeah, it kind of takes it out of that decom quality and makes it oh hey this is an actual movie again. Yeah, the first two feel like decom movies. The the definitely the second one feels like a straight to Disney Channel. But, yeah, but the third one, I definitely feel. I mean, I'm sure it got a theatrical release, but yeah, feel it feels a little bit more serious. So, Phil, you like Charlie a lot. Um, you said you're he's his favorite character for this. Man, Charlie is increasingly becoming my least favorite character in this franchise. <laughs> so his arc in the first one is he's this great player that has the potential to be Gordon Bombay. But mm-hmm. he needs to be coached well, and he needs to have a surrounding team, and he oh, he he needs a, a moment to shine. And he's not perfect, right? So uh, in the second movie is he needs to learn to become a team player, 
um, and he needs to learn how uh, how to be a team captain. And then the third movie, he's stripped of that captain title, and it's it's entirely backtracking on everything that we've learned about Charlie throughout the first two movies because he's not a team leader anymore. He's entirely selfish instead of selfless, which Charlie's like the most selfless character in D1 and D2 specifically. Uh, it's a it's just a complete walk back on on his on his character the whole time. And let's just remember that Charlie has uh, is keep tries to keep getting the team to rebrand as the Ducks. I mean, really, the whole franchise is always trying to get these teams to rebrand as the Ducks. But also remember that the Ducks is based off of Ducksworth, who wound up being a tool. Yeah, so, maybe just go with Warriors and like have fun with that. And like I, I, I think to your point about Charlie, I think it was he was kind of a script left over, really. With Emilio Estevez gone, I mean, you don't have the mirror that you once had because I mean, really, that's what Charlie is. He's a mirror of Gordon Bombay. Um, but when I, you don't I have think, him, I think that's why I like this movie. the The only reason that this movie isn't just a, a just okay movie for me is um, because I, I do like Charlie in this movie becoming um, like, I think true leaders are the ones that not only lead, but also uh, like serve. And, and, and I think like you see that in Charlie in this movie, like eventually like he has to humble himself. Like he is starting to become Gordon Bombay from the first movie. Like he's starting to become jaded and, um, it's my way or the highway and you know that kind of thing and I think has to have his humble pie moment and like goes into after reassessing and like resetting his minds on who Orion is becomes the captain that they all need him to be and gets reinstated and like at the end of the game like you think it's going to be this triple deke moment where he's going to like be the savior of the team and instead he dumps it to, to Goldberg to score the winning goal uh, which is so fun to watch, um, you know, him do that. And they, they end up winning that final final game 1-0. Like, it's it's such a weird game. Right. It's all defense the entire game. Um, but, like... Which is what Coach has been teaching him to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I think... So, in the absence of... Uh, to speak to, like, the absence of of Bombay in this movie, yes, I uh, Bombay... I like Bombay a lot, and I, I wish he was more in this movie. Um, but the fact that he wasn't in it, and they made Charlie kind of a, a stand in for his character to kind of, to be that character that changes, you know, through the movie, obviously he changes his mind and changes his outlook on the team and Orion. Um, but also becomes that person that uh, rallies the team, but then ultimately like is subservient to like doing whatever he has to do to help the team win. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really like him in this movie um, just because I, I do see kind of like what Austin was saying um See, Austin, I'm going to agree, agree with you here. Uh, I, I do think that this movie uh, ages up. Like it, it is, it's not a coming of age story. I don't want to call it that, but it, it is like a, a movie where uh, he has to be an adult for the first time in his life. And I think it's interesting to see them do that with this character in this movie. Yeah. Like kind of to your point about Bombay's absence. Um, I So sure, I would have liked more Emilio, Emilio Estevez in this movie, but I kind of like him better as a lawyer than I do a hockey coach, do that especially scene. in this movie. That scene where he goes into that 
uh, school board meeting or whatever it is and like uh-huh. and like lays down the law and is like i'm gonna sue, i'm gonna sue your guys' butts and like just like 100 dude it's so great it's one of the best scenes in the movie um so yeah I, I wish i i wish there was more emilio estevez but i totally agree with you when he's there he completely like sells the whole scene well and i love how like they finally wrote him to be a character that like he could he could do like and do really well like He's, uh, you know, he, when he walks in and just takes the school board to town, like, yeah. just like you said, like he, you know, he's like, you, you've given these, this is, this is a binding contract and you're trying to back out of a contract that you can't do. So if you don't do that, like, so if you don't reinstate these scholarships, I'm going to come, I'm going to sue you. I've got a pretty good lawyer or like, or like, uh, no, coach Ryan says like, I've got a pretty good lawyer or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, referring to Bombay, like, man, like he just takes him to town and like, I, I just, I really love him uh, in that role. Um, kind of like how you were talking about in the first movie about how they find the loophole to do the redistricting. And that's, that's maybe the best moment for Bombay in that movie. Mm. Uh, and at least the most interesting thing. I mean, same thing for this. This is easily the best scene in, in D3. Yeah. <laughs> I have literally two more shot, two more notes, which is at the end when Goldberg gets the puck, they play operatic music and it's just way too ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it, apparently the last shot of this movie is fireworks and it's really stupid, but I can't remember it. That's how much I hate it. it. It's funny you talk about score because in the first movie when they're playing hockey, it's like a jazz score. And I'm like, well, what is this temp music or uh-huh. <laughs> what? Because it's just odd, but it yeah. works. Mm-hmm. Phil, do you have anything else to say? Austin, do you have anything else to say about this one? No, this has nothing to do with the plot of the movie in any way, shape, or form. But I do, I do find it hilarious to watch the um, the runaway rollerblading scene at the very very beginning of this movie. Um, I just I just laughed and laughed through that. They jump over a car at one point. Yep, yep. <laughs> watching this with watching these with my wife, who again has no like investment in these movies before watching them, she was just like, "Like this is so ridiculous and stupid." Like. <laughs> They're breaking so many traffic violations and all of this is like the fattest kid on the team jumps a car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. They skate through a mall. Right, exactly. To teach yeah, yeah. Uh, Fulton how to skate and it's like you have a rink, you can skate. <laughs> There's not like a skate park somewhere that you can go. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> Abby's like they are inconveniencing so many people. They're going to cause car accidents. <laughs> people are like people are going to get hurt. But this movie doesn't care about any of those questions. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. That's a lot of fun. So all right, and um, so so that last question then, uh, Austin, we'll start with you. Uh, if somebody doesn't remember this movie a lot, you're going to say you should revisit this or just just keep it in the past. Definitely revisit it because I think even if you haven't watched the other two. I think this is one you can just jump in on and be like, okay, this is a cool hockey movie. And what about you, Phil? I think it depends on how much you loved it originally. It, if it was just an okay movie for you, I'd say skip it. Um, if you loved this movie growing up, I think you'll enjoy watching it again. I'm kind of the opposite, actually, uh, from what you say. I think, uh, I mean, I would say go ahead and revisit it anyway, but I think if you hated this movie growing up, I think it's just you were expecting something different. And this is a little bit more of adult of a movie for a franchise that was very directed towards kids. So... So, so my, my recommendation is probably just wasn't meant for you at the time because I, I had a good time. And I think a lot of people might be might have tendencies to, if they're going to watch them, either just watch the first one or just the first two and just ditch the third. I would just, man, watch, them all, watch all three of them. I'm still going to say D2 is the, is the top, tippy top and that if you're just going to watch one, watch D2. But 
I'm, I'm probably going to make this trilogy like a, you know, a marathon every, you know, at, at least every two years. Woo, we did it, guys. <laughs> uh, are you guys are you guys excited as excited about the Mighty Ducks TV series as I am? Um, yeah, cautiously we'll optimistic. Up. We'll be covering it on our podcast for sure. Um, it's being written by uh, Stephen Brill, um, who wrote all three of the the movies. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Not everything on Disney Plus has been a hit. I mean, there is Artemis Fowl, but <laughs> I, I, I trust I, them with both things. I wouldn't be mad if they just said, hey, also, here's Mighty Ducks animated series revival as well. <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone, but I'm not going to I'm not going to quite bark up that fence because I'm more concerned about them putting Buzz Lightyear of Star Command on Disney Plus. So <laughs> so but that kind of transitions us a little bit to our, our beep this week. Um since uh since austin since you kind of do like some professional uh movie criticism and phil since you have the disney plus podcast i figured who better to ask than the two of you guys like what's the legitimately good content on disney plus i know it's pretty easy to hate on them since you know especially like right when it launched they're like yeah they had the mandalorian but they haven't had anything else and like i'm still like okay but their back catalog is better than anything else and so like what's some legitimately good disney plus content bonus points for disney plus original content and bonus point, bonus bonus points for uh, not the obvious stuff, you know, like Ma- Mando and Soul and WandaVision stuff that people are already watching. Like, what's what's some really good uh, content on Disney Plus? We'll do kind of like a, just a you know one 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 one, you know, kind of deal. Like we'll go, we'll just keep going. But uh, uh, let's see, Phil, I'm going to start off with you, our, our Disney Plus expert. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I do watch a lot of Disney Plus. My favorite movie that I saw last year, and I and I should preface this by saying I don't. I don't watch a lot of the Oscar type movies as I kind of indicated earlier, but um, so take this with a grain of salt, but of the movies that I actually saw in 2020, uh, my favorite movie that I saw was Hamilton. Um, I I love, love, love Hamilton. And the fact that it's not just on Disney plus, but exclusive to Disney plus, I think was a, I think a huge force to be reckoned with for the year. Granted, it was like bookended by like Artemis Fowl and some other other stuff that probably wasn't very good. But releasing the Hamilton on the 4th of July weekend, I think was one of the biggest hits of the year uh, for Disney+. Plus. If you have not seen Hamilton yet, if you're one of those weirdos that has heard, you know, 100 people talk about how great it is and still have, hasn't watched it. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, just hit pause on the podcast right now. I'm sure Aaron will have no problem with this uh, whatsoever. Stop listening to this podcast and go watch Hamilton. Um, it's one of the, it is probably my my favorite musical of all time now. I've watched it twice on Disney Plus and I've listened to the soundtrack as well. And it is just phenomenal. That is that is a bold statement. And to your favorite musical of all time, I got to say, man, just wait until Dear Evan Hansen comes out uh, whenever that actually gets made. Okay. Um, Man, that's especially with Ben Platt coming back. That's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, I'm going to kick us off with uh, my personal favorite Disney Plus original series. That's not, you know, the big budget stuff. I I love Forky Asks a Question. Question. I think oh, it's yeah. severely underrated. I know some people that are like, this is stupid. But with each short being about five minutes and Forky being such a lovable character and the interactions that he has with these toys and the fact that they get like the people from the Toy Story franchise to come voice up. I love Forky Asks a Question. It was the thing I was most excited for when Disney Plus announced, like even more than The Mandalorian, because I was like, well, Star Wars has been hit or miss. <laughs> uh, and obviously Mandalorian is way better than Forky Asks a Question, but gosh, I love that series. Yeah. Austin, what, what do you got? For a series, I'd probably go uh, the more recent Inside Pixar. The documentary series are kind of more my style. 
Disney Plus has kind of just been movies for me. As far as shows, it's mainly been, you know, the, the usual stuff like WandaVision, uh, Mandalorian, stuff like that. Uh, even Pixar Popcorn, uh, which you can skip, especially if you liked Forky Ask a Question. But yeah, Inside Pixar, I, I got to see the first two episodes. I haven't seen all of it, but I think that documentary series style is fits much more than doing a what they did back in 2005. Is it the Imagineering story? No, the Pixar story. Oh, the um, Pixar story, that's right. Uh, I think it does a lot better job about talking about the creative process, especially the Kent Powers episode, talking about soul and how he had to write his way around specific situations. Because there are those days where you just have to open up a small little notebook and say, okay, where can I find an idea? And it, I think Inside Pixar does a much better job about that than just saying what um, oh, the Pixar story did, where it's like, hey, Steve Jobs funded us. Okay, cool. Roll credit. <laughs> Phil, we'll go back to you. Yeah, so a lot of people don't realize that, I guess I don't. I guess it's some part of the umbrella or whatever, but um, National Geographic stuff is on Disney+, Plus, and mm-hmm. they have some, some really good content on there. Um, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen uh, in my life is uh, a documentary called Free Solo. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have not. Oh, man. Um, you definitely need to check it out, Austin, especially if you like documentaries and it sounds like you do. But Free Solo is a crazy, crazy, like actual real t- tale of this guy that climbed the side of Yosemite Park's... Um, oh, I can't think, remember the name of the the, the, the rock face. Anyways, he, he climbs this like 3,000 foot tall rock face without a rope. It's a, a bone chilling um, telling of the psyche of of the kind of madman that you would have to be to even attempt it and let alone actually pull it off I, you know spoil the ending i guess but like um he became the first person in history to do it and it's all on film yeah uh, el capitan is the yes. the name of the the mountain but the scene they talk about like you could see him like map and coordinate it's not just i'm gonna go do this the yeah. planning process is just so fascinating with that especially like there's this one point where he's like i have to do this just right otherwise i'm going to fall to my death and splatter and become a puddle he goes over it and goes over it and goes over it like builds practice sets to do it. like it's that's the most intense sequence i've maybe ever seen in a documentary i think the best documentaries are the ones that are entertaining obviously this one is very entertaining to watch um but also teaches you things and i learned a ton about rock climbing in this movie I mean, they, they even go into like how the camera crew, um, like he asked the, the camera crew to be out of sight during the shoot, like when he actually yeah. did the thing, because he, he knew that if he saw a cameraman on the rock, that would make him more nervous and that would cause him to lose a foothold or a handhold. Um, yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's chilling to watch. Um, yeah, I was literally sweating <laughs> as I was watching the movie. So um, def- definitely check it out. It's If you have Disney Plus, it's free. You can watch it on there. So uh, I'm going to pimp. There's a, there's this movie on there. It's a Disney plus original that I think is, is, is good. Uh, maybe just okay, but it's certainly like worth a watch. Uh, it's, it's Noel. It stars Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader. Okay. It's fine. It's, it's a really good background watch or like, it's a fine. If you're just looking for like a Christmas movie, that's maybe not like anything you've seen before. Um, or if you're trying to find, like, I wouldn't put this on the yearly rotation, but I'd put this on. This is a serv- serviceable Christmas movie. Um, it's got some funny moments. Anna Kendrick is a delight, as always. Mm-hmm. I love Bill Hader. It it's, was it's, actually the uh, first movie I saw on Disney+. Plus. Nice. It's it's not great, but it's far from terrible. 
So I, I'm, a, you know, I'm a, I landed the exact same spot. It's it is better. It was better than my expectations for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think like I was setting up Christmas decorations or maybe tearing them down. And I just, I had it on my phone and was kind of carrying it around with me, you know? So I didn't like actually watch it, but like, I was like, I think this is kind of funny and kind of charming. And I expected a Hallmark movie and it's, it's kind of that, but it's also kind of not. <laughs> it is very Hallmark. There, there's a scene in the middle of the movie where she ends up um, realizing that she knows how to sign language when, you know, she's never signed a word in her life. And yeah. that movie, I, that, that scene was extremely touching to me. I, like, I, I, was, I was amazed by how heartwarming that film can be. All right, Austin, your turn. So I'm going to branch out and say, uh, talk about a Fox movie. that It was nominated. Um, Isle of Dogs, um, mm-hmm. the Wes Anderson movie. I think my first Wes Anderson movie. Um, I always get him and W.S. Anderson confused. It should have won in 2018, but um, it was a for animated or best picture. Animated, but it could have won best picture for me. Uh, it 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 has a great cast. It kind of challenges Leica on their stop motion techniques because it's like, oh yeah, you can do stop motion with these like thousand foot tall uh, animatronics. Here, here's like these dogs emoting and also showing the rough edges of what stop motion is. But also just saying, oh, you want to have a movie set in a foreign land? Oh, you're going to have to know the language or at least be able to read in between the lines. Because this whole thing, I think, except for some other things, um, is entirely in Japanese. Well, and if it's not in Japanese, the, the moments that aren't, I think it's from, I think they have it in the dog's perspective of him trying to perceive like a language. So. Yeah. I love this movie, too. It's great. Awesome. And yeah, it just hit Disney Plus, I think, this week. Mm-hmm. Definitely definitely in 2021. Very quickly, let's do... Uh, Disney Plus is doing their premiere access plan, which is you, you you pay your regular subscription, but then you have to pay 30 bucks to access something like Mulan early. And uh, they announced they're doing this with Raya and the Last Dragon earlier. And I'm, I'm curious, especially from you, Phil, as somebody who is, you know, again, the local Disney Plus resident... <laughs> um, <laughs> Is is that a good strategy? Should they do something different? You know, did did you pay thirty bucks for Milan and or would you? So kind of. Uh, so me and my co-host went in halfsies on it. So um, we just we watched it together. I gave him fifteen bucks. So I I don't know if I would have spent thirty um, if it was just for me. That's that's uh that's pretty pricey, especially when you can compare it to like you know going to the matinee um, and seeing it in the theater for you know ten bucks or whatever. Um, yep. And so, you know, taking a family of three or four or whatever to the movie theater, now you're talking 40 or 50 bucks. And so 30 sounds a lot better uh, than that. But then you're also thinking, I'm already giving them six ninety nine a month. Uh, why should I have to pay anything uh, above right. and beyond that? Um, and so, you know, we had a lot of discussions about it on our podcast, but I, I think it's one of those things where they probably had to do it, but it, I, don't th- I think it leaves a bad taste in the mouths of the people that are actually having to front that cash to watch it when they could just wait three months and watch uh, Mulan in, in December for free, you know, with their subscription. So yeah. um, I, I don't know what the best way to, to get around the problem. Cause the problem is, is they've spent $200 million on whatever this thing right. is, $150 million making Mulan and they have to get that money back somehow. And so I understand their side of it, but I also understand the consumer side, which is, this is kind of unorthodox for this kind of, Thing. Yeah, I, I agree. And you, the point that I keep on bringing up uh, is that you, you're only paying to access it three months early. And if yeah. you're just doing that, then like, 
I, I, I can't justify 30 bucks. Um, but if this is, you know, you get to own it. If I get to buy a Blu-ray or something like that, then I'll, I'm, I'd pay 30 bucks. But if I could, if I could watch it for free in three months and I don't want to pay a $30, I mean, it's nice that it's an unlimited rental, you know, as opposed to something like, you know, our friend just came out and that's a $20 just to rent for like 48 hours. Yeah. But like, I'm not going to get to see our friend for free in three months. So it's that weird juxtaposition. It's great for for families, I think, but it really kind of stiffs the individual or like me, just me and my wife with no kids, you know. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel like 20 is a better price point, like what you were just saying. I, I, I think 30 is a little much. Yeah, I, I, I even think I even think twenty is a little bit high, but it's just because again I get it for free in three months. Yeah. Like I'll just wait the three months. But if it's like ten bucks, I might do ten. Mm-hmm. Austin, what are you, what are your thoughts? Um, I think the best way to do it would be just to add a new tier, uh, do a premier access tier, and just make it fifteen bucks a month and just say day and date. Don't need to pay any more, but this is just your premier access tier. That way you can just do it sustainably. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad idea. It, like, at least just while COVID is going on, you get to access your Mulan and your Raya the Last Dragon and, and whatnot at no extra cost. I mean, I, did, I like what HBO Max is doing. I just wish... I, I don't think it should be the same day as theaters. I think it should be maybe a month of theaters. Because, uh, again, I want to I I see some theaters survive this. G- give it a month. Let people pay to rent it for a month or have it come free. And, Again, even if these movies were like ten dollars on HBO, I'd I'd pay ten dollars to have access. You know, I would have paid ten dollars to have access to Wonder Woman on HBO because that's cheaper than going to a movie. And I already give fifteen bucks a month to HBO Max, so you know that it's it's a little different. Even though it is coming for free, ten bucks ain't much. Cool, that's good thoughts. Uh, so let's move on to the spinoff then. Uh, what's that one thing in pop culture that you want to tell everybody to watch or to avoid? Uh, Austin, let's start with you. That would be the Natalie. Dwyer-led film, Yes, God, Yes, from uh, Vertical Entertainment. I think it's on Netflix right now, but it's kind of a nice kind of coming-of-age film where it's humorous but also dark at the same time. I've heard about this. Uh, I didn't know that it was on Netflix, which means I have to watch it now. Sweet. Uh, Phil, what's that one thing you want to talk about? So I have uh, something that fits both of your categories to watch and avoid. Uh, (laughs) So... um, on Netflix, there's this new kids show, and I have a four and a half year old, as I mentioned before, uh, and she wants to watch anything that's kids, especially if it's new. It's called Gabby's Dollhouse, and I guarantee you guys have probably never heard of this. Uh, it, but some of our of your listeners maybe that um, have kids have maybe seen um, advertisements for it. But Gabby's Dollhouse is a ten episode TV series. Um, it's very uh, Disney Junior ish, um, get geared towards like preschool age kids, uh, young kid, young girls. I would I would say in particular, um, it's a lot of pink and a lot of like kittens and stuff like that. My four and a half year old will not stop talking about this show. She's watched all ten episodes. She absolutely loved it. Um, it came out um, I think at the end of last year. I think it's only been out for a couple months on Netflix, but uh, it, she saw an advertisement for it, watched it, and absolutely loved it. That's a recommendation for your kids to watch it. But adults, you need to stay far, far away from this thing. It is, <laughs> it is, it is awful. Um, it, like I watched like five minutes of it. I was like, I'm out. That's as much as I can do. Um, it is um, basically if pixie sticks were a 
television show <laughs> for 25 minutes uh, times 10 episodes. So um, it is um, just glitter and pink and kittens and songs that are only meant for kids. Um, so definitely stay far, far away if you are an adult. But if, you're, uh, if you have kids, uh, especially young girls, I think they'll like it. Awesome. I just want to promote uh, NHL. Um, I haven't really watched anything uh, recently uh, since the last recording. Uh, at least, and I watched Promising Young Woman, but we we released the review on that, and yes. you, know, you know my thoughts on that. But uh, I just want to promote the NHL because I, I said I'm a hockey fan. I said I watch hockey. I just if hockey is one of those things that you were ever like I, I could maybe get into, or I don't understand. Like, there's no better time than now because games are so condensed. There is so many teams that are uh, very much like either make or like uh, teams are either really good or really bad right now. But you can got to kind of get a feel. It's 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 super easy to get into right now. Just with the condensed schedule, you get you get. There's a lot of games that are accessible from home because most stadiums aren't allowing any fans in. It's a good time to get into hockey. Um, it, I mean, it always is. Uh, and if you're looking to hop on a team, you can always come join me at the Blackhawks. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's plenty of teams that have some um, some really good talent and. That's a wrap. Quick reminder that Sif Pop Riders Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows such as Disney Plus Reviews at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us some questions to explore during the B-plot, then you can email, email me at writersroom at SifPop.com. Uh, that should be in your episode description. Um, if you want to support the show, help out with some costs that we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipment, and rentals, you can email me at Schweitcastle or email me for a PayPal address. Uh, and please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps out the show more than you'll ever know. Um, and also, while you're searching things, find me on Twitter or Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. And that's how you can find me and get in contact with uh, with me. But Austin, where can people get in contact with you and talk to you about you know Mighty Ducks and all things, uh, all, all things everything? Well, uh, the website is AustinB.media. The Twitter is at AustinBTweets. Letterboxd is AustinBMovies. Um, um, but yeah, those are... The main things, and also the podcast on pod, podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, podcast, really. Awesome, Austin. Awesome, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Phil, what about you? If people want to get in contact with you and uh, and have some fun Mighty Ducks conversations. Yeah, we reviewed all three of the, of the Mighty Ducks movies on our podcast, so go back and find those episodes. The name of the podcast is Disney Plus Reviews. Pretty easy to find um, wherever podcasts are sold. Great. Well, hey, it's been awesome having you guys on. Uh, really, really appreciate your time. Uh, really appreciate your voice and your opinion. Next month for Nostalgia Movies, I'm talking with Joseph. Uh, first time on the podcast, we're talking about Inspector Gadget, the Matthew Broderick classic. Uh, <laughs> next next week, uh, we'll be talking about, oh, the MCU Phase 2 with Joe. So that should be uh, a lot of fun. Uh, so lots of good stuff coming up. Uh, but, you know, in the meantime, it's, it's, it's Oscar season. So, you know, we got to get back to the writer's room.